This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Come to you too, or whatever. I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals. Kapusta, bumpy, padoe, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a lot of Polish tradition there. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Badgers news notes. Obviously, today was Wisconsin Badgers Football Media Day. I was there. Kurt Hogg was there. We have tons of stories coming to you live. Uh, that was live from there. Uh, you'll hear some of that t- later on. We'll have Vince Eagle, outside linebacker, without the mullet, unfortunately. We'll also have defensive line coach Anoki Brechterfield talking about the defensive line changes. Uh, we also have new Wisconsin Badgers linebacker Kellen Jones, uh, hopefully to add some depth to that inside linebacker position. Uh, we may throw in TJ Edwards as well, too, the inside linebacker, if we got some time, and uh, it'll be a good time. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. Uh, before that, about nine minutes, we got Wes Hodkowitz from the Green Bay Press-Gazette going to talk to us about Green Bay Packers family night. If there's anything to be made out of what you saw on the field, any injury updates, but then also we'll preview the quarterbacks, some defensive backs with Wes and see uh, who can lock down that starting cornerback spot and what to expect from those rookies from Demarius Randall and also from Quentin Rollins. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and then at 835, we may have uh, from Bucky's fifth quarter, like I said, my uh, running mate today, Kurt Hogg talking some Wisconsin Badgers media day, big news from the day. Uh, and we'll talk about what to expect as fall camp opens up tomorrow. And Scotty right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings are in the NFL preseason hall of fame game. Football is upon us. Two Badgers are playing for the Steelers and Ethan Hamer and Kenzel Doe, but football is finally back here. Uh, and it, it feels good. Although it is just the preseason. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I think everybody's going to be excited. The NFL is the biggest thing around. It trumps anything else. It should always be the lead story when we do this show during the regular season and whatnot. But however, that being said, maybe it's because I covered it for a few years. Maybe it's just because there's, you know, especially the first few weeks, there's so many names of people that we don't ever need to bother to get to know. But um, I'm I'm not a huge preseason football fan to be honest with you like I mean it's great because it means football's back and it's right around the corner but I, I mean I, I I actually get more excited about watching shows like Hard Knocks which actually debuts this week than I do watching preseason games because that show you kind of get to know some of the backstories and some of the, the the dramatic things they got going on there but I but hey, you know what? Good for everybody else. If that means that football's back and it's going to get everybody excited, I can live with that. Very true. And and I don't know how much you got a chance to actually look at it. Yesterday, I watched a little bit of that family night. Obviously, not the most fun to watch 
on TV when they're going to break right in the middle of a drill. Uh, I don't know if you've ex- you experienced that same thing that I experienced there when watching it, but uh, you know, and obviously it's, it's a glorified practice. I think I, I think listening on the radio today, so they call it like installation practice number eight or whatever it was. And so, I mean, you get a glimpse as to what they do during practice, but you have 67, 70,000 some odd people in, in the middle there. So yeah. And you know, even your, your old, uh, buddy at 540 and bill johnson wasn't necessarily a fan of it either uh and, you know a lot of people aren't it's just it's not a good format do you think they should change that at all i mean obviously it's to, you're looking for the better of the team but you have sixty-seven thousand people that are willing to watch it do, do you do something else i mean and there wasn't the from what i saw i thought there wasn't even hitting involved uh based off of what i saw yeah i again it was one of the uh more painstakingly uh things to cover when I did, um, you know, I, again, it's great for the fan. It tells you what kind of a fan base you have. I've, people have said this for years, like the fact that 70,000 people come and watch a practice. Um, but I don't take, I never took anything out of those things. I'm, I'm, like you mentioned, an injury. I mean, those are stories that come out of it. anything else. A guy might've got burnt in practice. A guy might've been in first team raps and people, oh, First team reps, we didn't expect that, but we haven't even gotten to, to preseason game one yet. So, again, some of that stuff can change unless there was, like, something sh- – really the most shocking thing that happened on family day was we, we were watching a jet land one time and wondering uh, if if the football messiah, Brett Favre, was going to get off of it. Um, and I remember that one because it was rainy and things were delayed. <laughs> and there, was a, there was an airplane – uh, as a tarmac in Green Bay at, at Austin's Tribal, and yeah, that was that's the most memorable thing that ever happened for me at that uh, family day. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you heard this, and maybe I mean not to lead it off into a bad point of point with news, but uh, it's uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but a, a plane that Eagles fan, a pilot that Eagles fans told to go into to fly over the Cowboys camp, you know, crashed and died. All right, he crashed the plane and he died today. I don't know if you actually had heard that, uh, which is uh, obviously kind of an odd way, odd segue, but uh, yeah, I mean, talk about terrible there on that end. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's reported by our cousins over at Bleeding Green Nation and check out that for more, but tragic news there. And also, I mean, on another football note, Frank Gifford died uh, today. And so from, and so it's a, as, you know, the hits keep coming when you have that. See, we have, I don't think we've talked too much since uh, Roddy Roddy Piper died. And, and then you have Dusty too. And so uh, kind of, kind of tragic, tragic news as, as, as the hall of fame weekend began. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear about Fred Gifford. I, to be completely truthful, um, I've spent two days with my tournament baseball team. Uh, we had, tournaments uh, both days and one was in the middle of nowhere in your neck of the woods but up a little bit further in Poinette and I had zero internet and network service at all so I had no idea what was going on I got home somewhere around 11 o'clock and went right to bed and we were up this morning driving down to Rockford for a tournament so I kind of missed I didn't get to hear the, the the latest news I mean I've checked scores and things of that nature but I haven't. I didn't hear about Frank Gifford, so that was uh, that's that's sad to hear. Yeah, uh, it wasn't. 
yeah, not 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 a good not good news there on that part. But uh, but no, other than that, I mean, you know, um, we'll have Wes calling in about a couple minutes here on, on Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, and before we do it, just real quick, couple quick, uh, we'll talk a little bit more of this at the bottom. But just talking about some of the ba- uh, Badgers roster changes, uh, TJ Watt, of course, young, the youngest brother of JJ Watt, moves from tight end to outside linebacker. Uh, so I mean, he's an athletic guy. I don't know if you saw some, vi- you guys have seen the vines out there uh but tj has been working from what it looks like uh, and hoping to rehab from those knee sustained the past two years uh you looked at a couple other players for just quick positions the fact that dakota dixon who was an outside linebacker but was only like just a couple pounds over 200 last year but was still working at inside linebacker he is now uh still about 5 10 203 looks like a safety now they're listing him as uh, a couple, I mean, and also on the defensive line, Arthur Goldberg's officially looks like a nose, uh, not a nose guard anymore. He is a defensive end, and uh, we'll play the conversation with uh, Coach Brechterfield as to why. Uh, in just a little bit, once uh, once uh, after we talk with Wes, we'll play that conversation with Coach Brechterfield. So yeah, there's a little question yeah. too. Where you know, I mean, it's it's it comes and goes with college, right? You know, it's one of those things where you have some fifth year seniors like Jeff Ad- uh, James Adianju, uh, Devin Golden going different ways. Uh, it comes and it goes, and you see a bunch of position changes in the college game. Uh yeah, yeah, that that tends to tends to go with territory for sure. Um, you know, things you don't see that often in the NFL game. Um, I mean, you see some guys get recruited into college and they change their position before they get there, and then you see people do it midway through their career. Like, hey, you know, you're probably better fit for the, you know, for this or whatever. And it, sometimes it all depends on the 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 school. Like, you wonder if Tim Tebow would have been somewhere else other than Florida, maybe with a less talented supporting cast, if they would have converted him to something else earlier. You, you know, you never know. Like, you know, I guess everything, everything, every situation is different. So, yeah. And, and let me ask you this kind of like, if there is there another player in the NFL aside from Tebow that you think may have been misdiagnosed for a position? In your opinion, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously, maybe R- Richie Bush, possibly because, but he's more of a dynamic back, you know, that can play multiple positions. Uh, anyone in your posi- in your eyes that you see from a you know position standpoint that maybe not the right area? Well, that's a that's a hard question because it always seems like the people you would hear that about would be quarterbacks. Traditionally, running quarterbacks or or, or option type quarterbacks or spread quarterbacks that come into the NFL, like. You know, you could make the case that, um, you know, a couple of the latest uh, fleet of foot quarterbacks that got drafted. Um, for example, um, uh, the kid out of Ohio State that ended up, I'm sorry about his name's escaped me now, a couple of years back, you know. Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor. Some people think he would have made a great tailback in the NFL um, because of how fast he was and, you know, whatever. I think by the time you're in the NFL, like by the time you get dra- ready to be drafted in the NFL, you know, you pretty much are who you are. Now you'll see some small things, like Clay Matthews moving from outside to inside. You know, you'll see things like that have cornerback to safety, especially if you're an older cornerback, so maybe you're not as fleet of foot, but you're still a, an instinctive ball hawker. You know, so you know there's some things, tackle the guard, you know, changes within the offensive line. That happens, 
you know, I think you'll see that happen from time to time. But the actual full out, you know, 180 degree position shift, you you won't see that much because again, you know, if you're everybody values their 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 draft picks. I mean, like gold. So if you're going to take a chance and and use one of those draft picks on someone, you're less likely to do it on a project. You know, on a guy who's like, well, you know, I know that it says he's a cornerback, but we think he can be a linebacker. It, it, you know what I mean? Or I know it says he's a quarterback, but he really projects out to be a tight end. I don't think maybe a few years back, but as the years have gone, not to say that draft picks weren't always important, but they've become so much more important to franchises now than ever before. So I, you know, I think it's rare that you see things like that happen because people have usually done their due diligence and figured out what they think somebody is before they bring them into the league. Very true. Very true. Uh, on on that note, let's take a quick break. And uh, come back. We got Wes Hodkowitz waiting for us ever so patiently. Much appreciated, Wes. Uh, we'll come back, talk about some Green Bay Packers family night and some position previews. This is Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky Fifth Quarter. Here is outside linebacker Vince Beagle talking about his mullet and if the Chevy Bad Boys, that linebacking core for the Badgers, if they'll or if we'll go from there. So we'll be right back, guys. First question, do you miss the mullet? The mullet, oh, man, I do miss the mullet a little bit this year, but uh, I'm going to have a fun little haircut this year with the mohawk. I'm going to see where it goes, kind of grow it out a little bit in the back. Uh, it's going to be a fun little transition. I'm going to have the fun sides for game day. I, mean, I didn't uh, have it for the media day, but uh, the mullet will be missed, but I think uh, I'm excited. New year, new haircut. Right. I mean, for me and Joe, it's just to get better every single day. Um, last year's in the past. To, uh, this year's a new year. Um, new responsibilities, new personnel, new, new, new everything. So. Me and Joe are just going to try to build upon, like I said, what we we laid down last year. And at the end of the day, we're just going to try to help make this a defense better defense. Um, new guys on the inside, try to coach those guys up a little bit with the inexperience, but we saw significant improvement in the spring. Um, and just try, at the end of the day, me and Joe are just trying to make this defense a better defense. And you talked about coaching up the, the inside linebackers and Leon Jacobs, TJ Edwards, and now you also have you know, reports with Kellen Jones now kind of joining the team, uh, along with the, with the five of the players on that in the inside being true freshmen. How, how, does that, how, how do you help coach them up, and, and what do you, is it rumors of just positioning or just kind of I mean, obviously once you learn to react yep. more instead of think, that's where like, the results come from? Right, and I think the, the biggest learning is going to come through repetitions, okay? So this, this uh, with Kellen Jones coming in, TJ having a phenomenal spring, Leon having a phenomenal string, uh, spring. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just molding those guys and coming into this this uh, uh, fall camp and just getting better every single day. And that's going to come with repetitions with not just those guys, but collectively as a defense. Guys, that was Vince Beagle, outside linebacker. Like you mentioned, the mullet is not coming back. However, he's going to do some cool things with the Mohawks. He's going to shave the sides. There's a different emblems and logos and looks, and I'm excited. Uh, so we'll talk more with Vince during the season, and obviously he's a big, big part of that 3-4 defense, Dave Aranda. 
implements here at Wisconsin and, and the mad scientist on that end, who also uh, during the offseason interviewed for the Green Bay Packers. And that's my segue in, or at least some attempt at a segue into uh, talking about Packers family night, which happened last night. And with us, as as always, one of our, our favorite guests here, we consider him a brother from, uh, well, for us, two different mothers as well. This is Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, how you doing? Happy Sunday. I'm doing good, bud. How are you? We are doing great here. And, you know, uh, before we talk a little bit of position stuff with quarterbacks and defensive backs, with just uh, your overall thoughts from Packers family night, it's hard for us to watch at home. And and just because it's a, I mean, it's a glorified practice. It's not really a scrimmage. I mean, they have guys going one out, you know, doing team drills and whatnot, but at times it's kind of hard to follow. Uh, what were some of the, the big things that stood out to you during Packers family night last night? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I didn't get a chance to watch Family Night at all, at least the televised copy, but I've, I've heard that report um, from a number of people saying that they really, you know, the amount of practice they were actually able to see was kind of uh, kind of questionable. That's not to, to rip on Fox 11 or anything. Obviously, they're trying to make it entertaining, but uh, the one thing I guess I was probably surprised with is we saw a lot of special team stuff. Uh, there really wasn't uh, too many, you know, team periods or really high up-tempo, uh, you know, in terms of just practices. I think we've seen more uh, entertaining practices so far over at Nitschke Field, but at the same time, uh, the Packers got exactly what they wanted out of this practice. It seems, at least, it was from the first appearance that everybody got through without injury. You know, you know, Brian Balaga talked a little bit afterwards about how, you know, even though it's a practice now and no longer a scrimmage, it's kind of a mental hurdle for him uh, going out there after tearing his ACL two years ago. So that was probably the number one thing that stood out to me was just that. You know, they kept all their starters pretty much healthy. Obviously, Javis Blue left with an injury. But for the most part, all their key contributors that you're expecting to be on this roster got through it okay. And, you know, you know, also uh, one thing that stood out to me was probably Miles White. And uh, that was where I used for our notebook lead. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, Ty Montgomery and, and Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis. And obviously, rightfully so, there's some talented guys there. But I think – I think Miles White kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. People forget. I mean, this is if you look at just in terms of tenure, he's the third longest tenure right now on the Packers roster as far as receiver is concerned. He's been there for two training camps already. Um, and, and he looks pretty good so far early on. He added some weight. And, you know, those are kind of the little things that you look for right now because obviously the Packers starters, they're not going for a full go. Eddie Lacy played one snap uh, of team period. So it's these little things like Miles White and some of these position battles that, I think both on Saturday night now going into uh, this first preseason game against New England are going to sort of rise to the top. Now, Wes, obviously you've been doing this long enough, and I know that um, there's going to be a part of this preseason where eventually, because there's the excitement when camp starts, and then there's the stories that you – you know, that kind of emerge out of that. And now there's a game, and, and it's a short week for the Packers, and then they got the game on Thursday. I know there's going to be a part as as a journalist where you're going to wish and hope that the regular season will start soon so that um, you can actually start talking about some of the, the, the meteor issues. But with the first preseason game coming up, and again with the short week, I don't expect we're going to see all, as it's been with every McCarthy camp, we're barely going to see the starters He's probably going to be smart with anybody who's banged up, and we're going to be looking at guys, third, fourth, and fifth stringers that are going to be fighting to make the roster and 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 become a special interest story for you maybe next week. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a you know I kind of touched on that a little bit last week uh, when you know Aaron Rodgers when he spoke to the media, I thought it was pretty telling. He had that quote about how he feels the second team offense led by Scott Tolzien and that that offensive line 
uh, really has the chance to be one of the better ones, if not the best one, during his time in Green Bay. And that's sort of been a very underrated storyline the last few years, at least when I've been on the beat. The Packers' second-team offense, in a lot of ways, sometimes has been atrocious. I mean, you think about Graham Harrell and B.J. Coleman and Vince Young and some of the struggles they had, not only from the quarterback play, but, you know, kind of the offensive lines. And this year, with the Packers bringing back as many players as they did, not only starters but also reserves, yeah, you're going to see a pretty capable offensive line with Donnie Barclay and, you know, J.C. Treader, Garth Gerhard, um, Lane Taylor, guys that have been on the roster for over a year and now Scott Tolzien leading the charge with his fifth year in the NFL. I'm excited to see him play. And, and you know, they they redid his entire throwing motion. It took a year. They redid his mechanics and his footwork. And to me, at least, it looks like the ball's coming out of his hands a lot quicker. Seems he's been very efficient so far in the two-minute drill. I like what I've seen so far from Scott Tolzien. I'm interested to see how that translates, particularly in this first preseason game, when that, that group, and, you know, they're probably going to get quite a bit of work right from the start with Aaron Rodgers, I'm guessing, not being out there, if not at all. So does that mean, Wes, that Tolzien's going to compete with Rodgers for the start? I'm, I'm joking. I'm sorry. That's the Wisconsin <laughs> fan me, man. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I couldn't help it. Scotty's oh. like, dear God, this guy, this kid. But, no, I was just going to say uh, – I mean, I'll say this, though. <laughs> I will, I will jump over the top of you. I honestly believe there is more of a competition right now for the number one quarterback job than there is for the number two. I mean, I, that, that's been the thing I thought has been the biggest storyline so far this offseason is that Brett Hundley, and they know he's a project. They know he's going to take some time, but he is not anywhere near where Scott Tolzien is right now, and, and that's actually impressed me the most. I thought when they drafted him in the fifth round that Tolzien was going to be fighting for that job, and I, he's He's looked good so far, you know, from from what I've from what I've seen at least. Well, with, with that, then, uh, what are you seeing out of that? Obviously, then the number three quarterback jobs up there. Maybe this leads kind of into our position preview, which is an excellent segue. You're a great guest. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> uh, when you have the the fact that I mean, you have Hundley, who we've had on the show, great kid, uh, very media savvy, but also you can tell you, I mean, he's a genuine kid. With uh, Matt Blanchard, obviously another more Wisconsin roots, Wisconsin Whitewater. He was on the Bears practice squad, then on the Panthers last year, and, and then he signed in the offseason with Green Bay. Uh, I mean, what's what are you feeling out of uh, out of Hundley versus Blanchard for that for that number three quarterback spot? You know, I'll say this right now. Uh, to this point in camp in the offseason program, I mean, Matt Blanchard has been the more polished quarterback between the two. You probably expect that, though. Uh, I know, obviously, Blanchard doesn't have the credentials. Uh, a Division two, Division three type quarterback uh, with his time at Northern Michigan and obviously that, that record-setting run at Whitewater. But he's had two years in the league now, and he's, he's been able to see what this process is like. The thing I'm more interested to see is exactly how the Packers are going to go about, you know, basically utilizing Hundley if, if he doesn't make drastic improvements over the next three weeks. I don't know where Blanchard's going to fit into all this because I don't think the Packers are keeping four quarterbacks. But to be honest with you, he's probably played better than some of the guys they've had these last few years as their number two. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see exactly. I mean, he's going to have to force their hand here. And uh, these preseason games, whatever opportunities he gets, he's going to have to definitely make the most of them. As far as Hunley's concerned, he's an interesting case now because the Packers, you have to remember, they didn't just invest one draft pick into Hunley. They invested two picks into him. They traded up, giving up their seventh rounder to go up in the fifth round to take him. And do they want to keep three quarterbacks again like they did last year? That's typically not been their way. 
you know, with these changes that have been reported with the practice squad, could they put him down in the practice squad and guarantee his salary? Those are things that they're going to have to decide. Obviously, we got to see him play some preseason games, but up until this point, he's been a very raw prospect. You know, erratic at times. His footwork is a work in progress. Going under center is a new process for him. It's going to be, you know, it's going to take some learning. But obviously, they like his arm. They like his, you know, the, the what he brings to the table as far as just the natural athleticism at the position. But that's going to be the thing I'm going to be paying attention to in these preseason games is, is can humbly prove that he deserves to be on this roster. Okay, so along those same lines, Wes, obviously position battles um, of note. I mean, there's certain things that we know, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Lacey and the receivers, you know, obviously they're going to try to figure out who the four and five receivers are, but and it's a very deep group. But obviously it seems that cornerback seems to be one of the big position battles, that and, and, and some of the linebacker spots. So if you want to just quickly, and I know it's still very early, and I know there's, there's a ton of football to be played before they figure out, but if you could handicap maybe some of the better position battles, starting with the secondary, I guess, and, and who you think right now the front runners are and who you think we should be looking out for. Yeah, the secondary is probably the, the biggest one on the roster just because of, you know, the Packers investing their first and second round pick into that position. Tremont Williams and all the time he'd been in Green Bay, him being gone now, Devon House and, and how he had rotated in at times. There's a lot of different question marks there, but the thing I've kept saying over and over is that, in my own opinion, I think they're as deep as they've ever been at cornerback. It's not proven depth, but they have a lot of options. and There's going to be somebody – in that group that won't be playing on a given down, you know, at least one person. So, I mean, Sam Shields is, is going to be your big guy this year. I think they're going to have to match him, you know, playing both sides of the field, depending on who the receiver is. I think Casey Hayward, barring injury, is going to get the shot to start on the boundary this season. Much like last year with with, with what they decided to do with HaHa Clinton Dix, I think Micah Hyde will start out the season in the nickel spot, and he will try to hold on to that position holding off the likes of Demarius Randall and, and Quentin Rollins. And I think at this point in time, just based on Rollins being sidelined for a little bit, Randall has to be the, the front runner for that dime job. But there's going to be a lot of flexibility with what they do in the secondary this year. You know, Sean Richardson has been rotating in in a special big nickel package, very similar to that big Oki package we saw with him last year when he subs in for a cornerback. Uh, you know, you're, they're going to mix and match these guys. It's not going to be the same three, four guys playing in the same packages, play after play after play. But at the same time, when you talk about who's going to get the lion's share of the reps, I think Shields, uh, Hayward, and Hyde will start out the season, and then it's going to be up to Randall and Rollins to show that they can work in there, barring injury. And the other guy to remember, too, in that competition, uh, Ladarius Gunters looked great. And uh, the undrafted rookie out of Miami, did not test well. You know, he didn't great. Didn't have a good 40 time, did not do well in the shuttles. But as far as just a football player, seems to really have a knack for that position. Big kid at six foot two. I think right now, if you're handicapping, who's going to be the, the, the undrafted free agent to make this roster without any preseason games played so far, it has to be Gunter, I would think. We're here with Wes Hod, Press Gazette. Of course, follow him, as always, on Twitter at... Wes Hod and I we'll get to some wrestling in a little bit because we got SummerSlam coming up and we got <laughs> NXT Takeover in Brooklyn and and you, we always mix business with pleasure in this set, sense of of talking our our one of our our favorite things in, in wrestling uh, on, on this show but we'll get to that in a little bit but uh, real quick about uh, obviously 
being part of Bucky Sixth Quarter, having that little bit of that Badger centric attitude. What are you in terms of Jared Aberderis, real quick? Uh, you know, we talked about Tolzien and Blanchard uh, with, with the Wisconsin ties there, but what are you? I mean, obviously, he's had the the protocol. Uh, how how much of danger is that? Obviously, you talk about Miles White picking up the slack and and pushing for that number five receiver position, and, and there have been some injuries with, uh, with wide receiver too, but. What are your thoughts about Aberderis, and, and and do you think he's going to get on the field this week? And and I mean, obviously, you still have four preseason games to make an impact, but have, being out for that week is, I mean, especially in training camp, is not good when you're fighting for a roster spot. No, it's it's really not, man. And and that's the thing with with Jared is he, he missed those entire week of installs. You know, Saturday night at family night that was their last install practice. Now there'll be a lot of reviewing going on. Uh, this is a guy that just hasn't been on the field a lot right now, you know, in his career. So he's going to be playing from behind. And the one thing you guys are probably more knowledgeable than I am is his injury history. And, and you know, he's been adamant with us. He's only sustained one concussion in his football career, at least at Wisconsin. I know there were the reports coming out, scouts and experts saying that it might have been as high as two or three. Um, and, that's that's not a good sign and there's a lot of you know there's different levels of concussions I understand how important this topic is for the NFL right now Chris Borland his former teammate making that decision that he made in the offseason there's a lot on the line but every indication is is that that Jared Everdeers is going to come back he wants to play football we're not allowed to talk to him that's one of the NFL policies when these guys are in the concussion program he was in the locker room very quickly this past week grabbing some stuff and he was, you know, playing with uh, one of those little tennis ball type deals, you know, and uh, was walking off, I presume, to a meeting. So we're going to have to see where, where exactly he's going to be at there. But I think at some point you do have to start worrying about the durability factor from him. The very limited, limited amount of time we've seen him in a Packers uniform, I thought he's been impressive. But at the same time, can he stay on the field? And, and especially from a long-term perspective, too, with looking past football, uh, where is he going to be? My thought right now is he has a long way to go on the, at a very deep position. Um, I could definitely see it right now, you know, being a, a tough cut or, you know, being a practice squad guy. He's going to try to get back on the field and he'll be get a chance to get back in that mix for that position. But right now he's definitely going to have a lot of ground to make up. So Wes, I, hearing all the fanfare, like it, it seems a little bit, outrageous to me how many people are picking the Green Bay Packers as a Super Bowl uh, team, either an NFC championship team or a Super Bowl champion. And I, Don't get me wrong. The Packers were minutes away from putting away Seattle and going to the Super Bowl last year. I, that, that obviously can't be discounted. And through the last six, seven, eight weeks of the season, including the playoffs, they were the hottest team in football. I understand that. But Seattle's still Seattle. They've added Jimmy Graham. That defense doesn't look like they're losing much steam. And the Packers' Achilles heel over the, the last few years has been defense and defensive depth. Now, you did point to a few factors about the second-team offense and some added depth and some better uh, reserve players. But what in your mind has made the Packers closer to being an NFC champion than they were last well, there's a couple things. One, I think it's Clay Matthews. And if Clay Matthews is playing at that inside linebacker position or if they're moving him around this year, I think they have a chance to be a pretty special defense again. I've always, and you, you know, we've talked about this before on this show. Me personally, I always say this. It's, it's one of the rhetorical things I always say. 
if I was a coordinator, I would run a three-four zone blitz. That would be my that would be my formation. I think the scheme works. I think you can find really the, the best defenses league wide tend to have some kind of variation off of it. Obviously, it's something that the Chicago Bears are trying to implement now. I always have believed that the system works, but everybody has a different philosophy for the system. I remember when Dick LeBeau was with Pittsburgh, he wanted veterans only. He didn't want to have to play young players in that. Dom Capers has had to go a different route because of the draft and develop system in Green Bay. The one thing, if I had any criticism of the Packers this offseason, I just felt like they should have went out and gotten one playmaker on defense. I'm not even saying it had to be inside linebacker. I'm not giving any specific position. I just thought maybe they were one playmaker short on that defense. They didn't get it, so now they're going to have to be relying on some of those young guys to step up. If you ask me why this team will be better this year, I think the natural answer is that the way that the Packers develop, you never have to worry about the overall team regressing. They're always going younger. They're looking for guys to step up and earn contracts. And if you look at it compared to the rest of the league, they are still a very young team. So I think they are going to make strides. I think there's going to be players that stand out this year that maybe were more in the background last year. You think of Mike Daniels in 2012 and then what he did in 2013. I think some players emerge, but I do wonder if you're looking at winning a Super Bowl this year, if they couldn't have been helped by just maybe adding one more key veteran like they did last year with, with Julius Peppers. Scotty, if we have anything else for Wes in terms of Packers talk with this so early, so if it's okay with you, can we talk about some uh, SummerSlam and some uh, some takeover NXT takeover, or do you, is there anything else on your on your plate for Packers? No, I mean I don't have any more Packers stuff. I mean you certainly are more than welcome to talk NXT if if you'd like or or whichever direction I suppose. All right, which which match are you really excited for, Wes, for NXT Takeover? Me personally, the Dark Horse is Jushin Th- Thunderlager versus Tyler Breeze. That, that I'm just I, I'm a brief mark to say at least. I got to say this. This is again why this is the best show on the internet today. I mean, this is unequivocally why this show is amazing. Um, I'm with you, I, and I think this is a good match for Breeze because I think I I know his track record as far as Ligers is to come in and usually beat talent. I think this is a good opportunity for Breeze to go over here against a, a against a legend. I, I want to see him go over here because I think during this whole you know Finn Balor and, and Kevin Owens and, and all these guys that have come in now, Tyler Breeze is a guy that I think should be at that level now. I think he should I think he's due for a title run. I love the gimmick. I don't know how it's going to translate on the main roster. I know the uh, the rumors have always been that when he goes up, he'll they'll add him with the Miz and it'll be great. Um, but I just I love what he's done with that character and the direction they've taken it. I'm sure the WWE is going to be a little bit hesitant just because of how everything went with Adam Rose once he hit the main roster. But I just think that 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 character is just tremendous right now, I, and I like the direction it's going. I just want to see them push him a little bit more. I don't want to see him being the guy that always loses the title match. I want to see him getting a marquee win, and I think this is a great opponent to do it against. And uh, obviously the history there with, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger and everything that he kind of represents with the sport of wrestling, uh, I I think that's going to be one, definitely. When you talk about Dark Horses, that could definitely steal that event. You know what, Wes, real quick, too. um, I actually got to hang out with a NXT superstar rhino here at the State Fair. That was interesting enough. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got to thinking... Here's a guy who's wrestled WWE, WCW, uh, T 
TNA, Ring of Honor, NXT. I, he's, I think the only guy that could say he's done it all. You know what I, I mean? So. But, yeah, right. But what's interesting is um, to shift off of NXT for a minute because it happened recently enough within the last week and a half. You know, with, with Roddy Piper passing away, um, a lot of people, when we were growing up, like when we didn't quite understand wrestling yet, and we just knew that Roddy Piper was a bad guy, and you either rooted for him because he was a bad guy, or you booed him because he was a bad guy. But again, when we didn't know the business and we watched him, like, hey, Roddy Piper doesn't win a lot of titles, all right? Because right. we didn't understand. But here's a guy that was the quintessential heel, the. And, you know, the guy who just got it. Like, I rewatched after his passing the, the Piper's Pit with Jimmy Snuka and some of the other things he did. And I'm like, man, I'll tell you what. You want to talk about a guy who was cutting edge for the early to mid-'80s and didn't get the respect at the time but then later did after, as his career evolved. Roddy Piper was amazing. He was. He really was. And unfortunately for me, I was I was too young that I first was able to be exposed to Piper when he got to WCW. And, and he had a fine run there, but, you know, that wasn't the heyday of his character. Uh, but the more I learned about pro wrestling, the more you learn about, I mean, just what an innovator he was in terms of a heel in professional wrestling and, and what he kind of brought to the table in terms of it wasn't just a cookie-cutter bad guy that was from Russia or, you know, um, you know, Iran or something like that, or he was this big guy that just wanted to destroy everybody, or, you know, he was a realistic person. You know, I mean, and I've always joked about, and I've said this to other people too, if you're in the brand extension back in the 80s, you know, where there was two title belts and, you know, it wasn't Hulk Hogan holding onto it for four years, Roddy Piper probably would have been a 12-time world champion like Randy Orton ended up being, you know, and, and I just think, his character allowed all of those heels that developed over the next 25 years um, to just to not just be, you know, black or white or, or, you know, you know, one side or the other. There, there was, there was combinations in between that. It was, it was realism and, and you could, you could relate to the character. Even if you didn't like the character, he, he invoked uh, an emotion out of you. And, and I thought that was what was really cool is obviously he stepped away and he did the, you know, the Hollywood thing for a little bit. But he came back in 1990, I think it was, what, 91 or 92 when he came back to WWE. And then, you know, and going back and watching those matches and watching him versus, you know, Bret Hart for the IC title at WrestleMania. And just some of the work and what he put together and just how his character evolved. Uh, I, I think that guy was, when you talk about in terms of just the, the what a contribution is to the to the sport, you know, and in the art of it. Uh, I'm just I I've always been in awe of him and and obviously there was no better guy in terms of promos I mean he was he was the guy I mean he was the the one that really set the path for for how the guys try to and girls go out there and try to to, to cut a promo today. Well, and let's real quick just as a quick aside to that I think you're absolutely right and had uh, Vince not had the Hulk Hogan era and he had been booking more like Jim Crockett was or like they book right. now where. I think guys like Roddy Piper and Ted DiBiase would have been multiple-time champions, but that just yeah. wasn't the business model at the time for Vince. So You know, and that, that's the one thing I'm always kind of sour at, too, when I go back and I watch those, uh, in addition to just watching punches and, and kicks and, you know, Greco-Roman <laughs> wrestling. But, yeah, exactly. You know, the, the thing that, that really that, – that, that's tough about that era is that you did have great characters. And, and you know, DiBiase – had that run from, you know, WrestleMania three to, you know, 
five, four, five, and then he kind of sort of developed into a mid-card talent. They should have had the whole world built around that guy at that time. I mean, that character was so hot. I don't know, and I, I understand that was the age of, you know, the world champion was always a face, and then when you needed to turn over the title, a heel would win it for a week, and then another face would win it. But um, that guy, I think, could have made them. They made millions of dollars anyway, but, I, you know, you put the belt on him and have – Hogan or Savage, somebody chasing it, I think they could have done tremendous money there. But to their credit, I mean, they still built those guys up, and, and him and Piper and some of those uh, heels that came out of the 90s there, they, they definitely um, they, they changed the way that, that, that you look at those type of wrestlers. I still remember the first time I watched Roddy Piper. Again, it was back against Goldust in that WrestleMania. I forgot which yeah. one it was. 12. And, and yeah. I remember, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I know, I know, Scotty. I know it's not the heyday, but I still remember like geeking out. This really true moment that I remembered being a wrestling fan where, you know, he grabs him by the, you know what? And I just start screaming, he grabbed him by that. And my parents shut me up quickly. And it just, uh, <laughs> I just remember, I, you know, I'm, out, I'm by my uncle's house and he's a, he was a huge mark back in the day. I just, I completely remember that. That's my first real memory. Yeah, that was Hot Rod as, as a face, you know? Yeah, and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, and I, you know, obviously you'd have to ask Dustin Rhodes this, but I still think that that's the reason why that character got over. I, you know, because it, Goldust was just such a, a completely out of left field character. You'd never seen anything quite like it, just the, the ambiguity of it and all the innuendo. And Piper was the perfect guy for him to start out with. I'm not saying it was a five star match by any means, it certainly wasn't that. But uh, in terms of, you know, having somebody to work off of just with being over the top as well, I, I think that definitely set the set the course for his career. By the way, Piper reminded me a lot of the Crusher and Steve Austin. And what I mean by that is when he turned face, he never stopped poking people in the eyes right. or yeah. punch. I mean, he never – he didn't change and start following the rules. He was still Roddy Piper. So that, Yeah, you're exactly right. That's That's the part of it that that's the part of it that I think people because because that's the thing is that nowadays I mean you watch wrestling everybody's booing the heel now or everybody's cheering the heel excuse you know I mean like that's the that's it's cool and it and it was those things back then that people got so stale and just you know just cookie cutter and the same thing after another that that's what I think people wanted to see they wanted to see something different and and obviously someone bring a new you know sort of angle to it exactly and Wes, as always, my friend, we, 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 we're like, hey, we'll be on for 15, and it's turned into a half an hour, which is great because we love having you on. So we appreciate your, your grace in, in your Sunday evening. It, it really well, is. Wes, <laughs> first of all, you're, you're, a, you're a kielbasa king. You're a fellow, you know, kielbasa head, and there's no way you're ever going to get just 15 minutes. Like, I know we try to tell you 15 just so you'll come on and <laughs> But that's just never going to happen. So no, I mean, this is I've I, I've always said this, you know, since day one. I think we've been doing this for what maybe two years now, somewhere around there. This is this is the most fun I have ever talking to anybody. So regardless, doesn't matter if whatever it is. I did I did Jim Rome show two weeks ago. This is this is more fun. I this I I wait 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 wait. You did Rome? Talk to me about this. How'd that go? Oh, I don't know if I want to talk about it. So um. I, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't Rome. It was the guy that was filling in for him. Okay. And gotcha. they were asking me to, they were asking me to come on and talk about the Packers. And it was really odd because I start the show and they're like, okay, we're going to, you know, the Packers coming back that you know, Seattle and how difficult that was. And, 
you know, they're, they're trying to rebound. We'll get to all that. First off, West, and then they didn't ask for my last name, so then I had to say it on air, which is kind of embarrassing, but whatever. Um, so then they, we start off with Andrew Corliss. With, I mean, that's a terrible situation, really difficult. But then we start talking about the arrest, and we start talking about Thompson, and, and uh, he has to follow up. And then the next question is, you know, this was a tough offseason for the Packers, which it was. I mean, you had three guys get arrested, two guys get suspended. And then that was it. They do we stop there? So it was like, oh, oh, okay. Like it was, it was like a four or five, six minute interview. It wasn't that long, but that's all we ended up talking about. So we actually previewed that we were going to be talking about them coming back, and then we just ended up talking about you know Andrew Corliss and you know some arrests. It was weird. It was odd. Weird. Oh man, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't. I didn't want to open up that bit. That... That box yeah, no, there. I'm sorry, man. But yeah, no, no, no. It's no, it's it's all good. We we survived and everybody lived. But it's just like I mean, <laughs> that's why these are these are the shows. This is what I enjoy doing. This is where it's at. Well, good, and I'm glad that we can be so versatile and go from football to wrestling to I'm sure several other things. I know we've discussed over the last two years. So yeah, it was a pretty seamless transition too. So that's uh you know tip of cat to both of you gentlemen. Hey, we try. We're we're getting this thing down after what two, three years now, Scotty. I think we're finally hitting the flow. So hey, yeah, that's maybe a radio deal's in our book, Scotty. We need to work on that. But uh, but yeah, but no, this has been great. And you you're always great to talk with, and we'd love to have you on. And always, I think I'm gonna have Summer Slam on WWE Network. You know, you're always invited if you're able to come down here. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. So just know that the invite's always open. Can I ask you a, a, a controversial question? Are you excited for SummerSlam? Oh, ah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Scott, Scott, I, know I don't know how you are. You know, it's all good. Thing, no, no, no. You know, I, I am and I'm not because I, I think that for a while, for about a year, they've been doing a better job making me care about more than just two matches, okay? Right, right. And with SummerSlam... I feel like they've gone back to the formula, like, here's two matches that you should care about, and then everything else we're going to kind of throw together here right. a week before. And I, I don't like that booking style. I just, I don't. I just, in, in no disrespect, you know, I'm, I'm never going to say I just don't like anybody or anything like that, because, I mean, these guys are professionals. They're doing the best they can. I just, I just have no interest in that Ryback, Big Show, Miz, Triple Threat. I just don't care. You know, there's just, I don't, no. I don't care. Like, that was a... When when Ryback got hurt, I was like, oh, that's terrible for him. But I was like, okay, now we're getting out of this match. And then we end up just getting at SummerSlam. And, you know, the, I, there was the conversations and the rumors that they were going to do the Wyatt family versus Ambrose, Rollins, and Sting. Yeah. And then, or uh, Reigns, excuse me, not Rollins. And then those reports came out that, that that's been shelved and Sting isn't going to be wrestling. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just can't get excited for two-thirds of the Shields versus two-thirds of the Wyatt family now when supposedly originally it was going to be sting, you know I mean? Like I just, I don't know guys. Like we definitely need to do that where we get together for one of these things, but I don't, I, I'm going to be in Pitts, Pittsburgh, I think when the pay-per-view is going on and I just don't, I'm just, I'm not as excited as I should be. I mean, SummerSlam should be the second or third biggest pay-per-view of the year. And I just, I can't get overly geeked for it right now, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think the unfortunate yeah. thing was sting cause, cause you're right. We saw Wyatt family and, and shield and it was a decent feud, but we saw it like a year ago. Yeah. The, the only thing is, if I think that if Rowan were healthy, 
they would have brought Sting in, but they didn't want to just force, because there was some rumor of adding a temporary member of the Wyatt family and then figuring out what they were going to do with them after SummerSlam. But then they, I think that's why it got shelved. But I would have, again, I know Sting's an older competitor, but I would have loved to see him at SummerSlam, see him, you know, one or two more times, and just, especially in the six man, because you can, you can hide him there, you know? Yeah, and he should have, and I don't care what, their reasoning was he should have won at WrestleMania. I Sting has to win a match in WWE. I mean that's the only that's the only way I want to see this thing happen is if he actually wins a match. I don't care if he loses a Taker at 32 or if he loses to you know half the roster. He needs to win once. And I I just thought this would have been a good opportunity. But and the other thing is too with Rowan not being in it, Bray. I mean couldn't you just you know couldn't you just switch Adam Rose to Leo Kruger and just have him throw him in? You know I mean just like I I don't know. I could go on all night about this, but that was the thing I was disappointed with. I was hoping we would see Sting at SummerSlam, and I just, unless something changes here in the next three weeks, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Well, I mean, you know, and there's like, you know, the one match, and we can come back to this in just a second Owens and and Cesaro should be a great Haas fest, and I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm also wondering, you know, you've heard rumors about like Adam Rose. I, you know, if you've seen the six. Or the 30 for 30, or was it? No, the E60, right. um, you know, about his story. You know, there's an emotional tug. You want him to succeed. He seems like a great guy, and and he's done everything. He's tried to find some niche uh, character, and, and the Adam Rose thing flopped uh, terribly. Uh, and, it, you know, there's rumors about him, the new third member of of this Wyatt family, uh, which I would love to see, but yeah, like you're, you're seeing these characters flounder a little bit, which I'm not, uh, you know, a big fan of, well, but and, yeah, I guess I am. Oh, go ahead. Was. You know, I was just going to say, yeah, that's the one thing I just never understand with WWE is they just, they never strike when the iron is hot with those guys, unless it's like, you know, one of their guys like John Cena or something where it's like, okay, Cena's doing this and, and it'll work out well with this. And it's like, I thought that E60 was going to happen. I thought we were going to see Adam Rose every week, at least if not on Raw on SmackDown. And they didn't do anything. It's the same thing. It's him being on Superstars and Main Event and losing every match except for the one he wrestles against Fandango and winning occasionally. You know, I mean, like, that that's the part that I guess I was most disappointed with. Is I, I thought they could do something with that. But this isn't the first time they've missed. I mean, I mean, they, they cut short Zack Ryder's run way too you know way too quickly just because i didn't they didn't feel he could carry the ball he didn't feel like he had enough big enough move set you know and it seems like they, they get on these these runs where they just they no matter how much a person seems to really grab that brass ring they just keep raising it a little bit higher and out of their reach and that's one of the reasons why i'm i'm sure like a lot of people that are following this and our roh fans are really behind cesaro right now because it just seems like that's the perfect feud with him and owens because he doesn't necessarily have to win it to make his his star even better, you know. That's as when you talked about that, Jake. I, that's that's right. I mean, that's that's the one match I think out of all of them that I really do want to see, and I hope they don't make it some kind of crazy fatal four way or something. Put those two guys out there and give them fifteen twenty minutes and, and let them work. Exactly, exactly. Wes, as always, my friend, good talking with you. Uh, we would, yeah, we'll definitely talk soon. Uh, obviously, with the season coming up, we'd love to have you back on and and just enjoy this nice evening. Yep, you guys too. You obviously have my number. We'll uh, we'll be in touch.
Awesome, guys. Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette. You know what? We're going to play some uh, Anoki Bruchterfield, defensive line coach from Wisconsin right now, talk about the position change for defensive end Arthur Goldberg. We'll, we'll highlight that. We'll talk some Wisconsin media day out there early just a bit. This is the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Bobby, heading into the season, how are you feeling about the defensive line heading into the fall camp? Obviously, it sounds like Arthur might be moving out a little bit towards end, um, or is yeah. he going to be switching in, in and out? You know, we had him, um, uh, Goldberg, we had him at end, I think after the, I want to say, fifth or sixth practice in the spring. Then he got hurt, and so he missed, like, the last couple of practices. But I, 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 moved, to the, I moved to the end spot. He's going to start off at end. I liked um, He's an explosive guy, so I want him going forward, and, and so uh, that spurred the move and um, gave um, Connor some reps at most. Did that help with with, with Con- did that help having Connor in there too, kind of plugging up the middle and showing like, what did what did he show during spring? Yeah, Connor did um, some really good things. Uh, he had played nose uh, exclusively the year before. Uh, I didn't realize that, and and when I made that move, he um, he embraced it and he enjoyed it. Did some good stuff. Uh, with the, the defensive line as a whole, what are you guys looking to get out in terms of fall camp? Uh, maybe not just like an individual speech, or, or what are you guys hoping to, to, to accomplish? I think I think we're um, one of my main goals is to, to to play physical, to try to piggyback on spring. I think that was our one of our main goals going into spring, and we'll be again this fall is to, um, to play physical to try to impose your will on on the next guy opposite you. Um, Try to um, free him up, make some plays. Try to um, try to be um, explosive in the um, run game. Try to knock guys back, and then uh, let let some fundamentals and technique take over the pass rush part of it. So uh, those are some of the couple of things I think moving forward is is gaining confidence in some of those areas. When you have you talk about like moving uh, Arthur and kind of have him explode off the ball and attack it, is that more of a, a one gap look or is that right? I mean obviously with the, like one of the old three fours you have the linemen take up two gaps but is this more of a one gap look with Rim on that or yeah you know in our scheme that four eye that four eye position is kind of a three technique in a four three scheme you're in a shade and and you can really attack and then react so um, I think you know moving throughout spring ball in the first couple of practices. He had showed, and that's kind of the guy he was. And so I wanted to help him accentuate that, and we got moved to the end spot and let him attack. And I think that's when he plays his best. How do you think the guys as a whole have handled various coaching changes, whether it's in the D-line or on the defense as a whole? Oh, they've been great. You know, um, there's, you know, you don't reinvent the wheel. I think the defensive line plays a lot of similarities in, in what they've been coached up previous and what I've brought with uh, myself coming here, um, but these guys will work. They'll do whatever they ask you to do, and they'll embrace it. You know, they love the game and they work hard, and and they'll do what's asked and, and attack it. And that's kind of their makeup, and so that's what they've done since I've been here, and, and, and been really appreciative of them uh, doing that. Everybody, welcome back, Boston King Sports Extravaganza. Thanks for tuning in, chilling with us. And awesome talk with Wes Hodquitz. You guys will hear that in the podcast. Just a great talk with him. And it's just uh, always talking, whether it's wrestling, whether it's life, whether it's just football, it's uh, it's good to talk with him. And so uh, make sure, you, of course, you follow him at Wes Hod on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter 
at Kilbasa Kings WI at B5Q for Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, make sure you guys be checking out that. And, you know, Scotty, I mean, going from one football team to the other, obviously the, the Badgers are popular here in the state being the only division one school. I think you can, I think you can call it division one now instead of FBS. Cause the, uh, uh, yeah, the FBS. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, kind of, but, but yeah, they had their media day. And so it's just, uh, it's one thing after another, whether it's Packers family night, one night, then you have media day and preparing for fall camp, which starts tomorrow for the Badgers. Yeah. We, we've only got a few minutes left and we'll talk more Badgers next week, but there's a couple of things. Cause you were there. We want to talk about the position changes, but first, Again, we kind of talked about it off the air. Not a whole lot of earth-shattering things come from Chris, Paul Christ and his. But what did you take away from, from his press conference, and especially as it relates to maybe some of the changes or, or maybe just some of the, the atmosphere changes or attitude changes? Uh, what was your biggest uh, takeaway with all that? You know, it, it's interesting when you talk about it because, you know, the biggest change, and we so it was noted on Twitter, in terms of position changes, you had noted that, uh, TJ Watt, obviously, like uh, I had mentioned earlier in the show, he moved outside linebacker from tight end and he was recruited as a tight end uh, and played quarterback at Pewaukee even. And now he's at outside linebacker, which Chris said, he doesn't even know if that's the, the, the final place for TJ. They're just trying to find a, a place for him, uh, give him the best spot to compete and, and to, you know, add value on, on, on to the team. So that's interesting. Uh, in terms of uh, maybe one thing that might be really really interesting is Tanner McAvoy uh, because he had no they had people. So there's a question that was posed talking about how Tanner, you know, is he going to stay at safety? How much is he going to see that wide receiver? Because he, he could be a very skilled target at wide receiver and it's going to be a hybrid role. And Chris confirmed that. I think it's going to be, that's a very good thing for Joel Stave, especially depending upon how that offensive line goes. And to see McAvoy at wide receiver and, you know, from what the media had said during practices that McAvoy looked apart at wide receiver. And so he's going to get more looks at wide receiver this, this fall in preparation, but he's obviously going to still play at safety as well. And I think it's going to be a, I think he could be a game changer at both positions in terms of, and I'm not saying he's going to have a career year first round draft pick, but I'm saying he's going to really help the team where you have a six, six safety playing back and you saw what happened against Auburn. You saw what happened even in, in years past, you know, 2013, how much he, he helped out. But uh, if, you know, he's got soft hands. If he can continue to, to help out, that's another target for Stave and it's a, it's help for him and his progression, but also with the simple fact that you don't have to, it'll be another target that you won't see eight or nine guys in the box uh, that Badgers offense will have to take on this season. Like they did definitely last season where 60% of the 68% of their offense came through the running game. Uh, other than that, I mean, you know, you talk about some of the other positions, uh, you know, you're looking at this and one of the things was, it was reported last week for by 24 seven sports and Evan flood that, you know, Kellen Jones is a Clemson transfer. He's a linebacker. He's going to play inside linebacker, Wisconsin. It was made official today. And so, you know, you had, had a chance to talk with him. The guy was very eloquent, very well-spoken. Uh, one of those guys, very warm. Uh, in first, they talk about first impressions, and, and I think he, he'll he fit in really well. He adds depth to the inside linebacker position, uh, where right now you only have Leon Jacobs and TJ Edwards back there. And so uh, as really as guys that are uh, not, fr- you know, true freshmen, I mean, 
outside um, Brookings right now, five of the eight inside linebackers on the roster were, were true freshmen. And so uh, if injuries prevail with either Jacobs or, or Edwards, it could be rough, but you also have a, a now a senior in Kellen Jones that can make a, a really you know, can hunger things down if he can pick up the defense quickly. Uh, but, you know, it really wasn't any like, you know, we talked last week with Ben Wargle, and there wasn't really, in my opinion, that much, you know, outside of those position changes that were, you know, really a, of significance. I mean, maybe the one other comment I would say is that the offensive line isn't set. He, he doesn't know who the five starters are, which, you know, he said in the spring they found the pool of players that stepped up and that could be the starters. But now at this fall camp, they, they're going to figure out how to solidify or who will start. Uh, and so you sort of want that during the end of spring of saying this guy is going to be locked down and started. We're going to solidify that. So they're a little behind there, but we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, this is real quick. Other changes. I mean, Dakota Dixon is, is moving to safety. He was listed as a cornerback and he played last year at inside linebacker at 200 pounds. So now he's at safety, which he has a shot to play play. He's athletic. And so it should be interesting to see how he adapts. Um, Arantine Farrar is also a safety. He's a four-star kid, true freshman. Was an outside linebacker. Now he's going to play safety. So we'll see how he progresses. But this kid is is uh, high football IQ, and guys could be very special. And so we'll see how he plays out. But uh, you know, some small stuff too. Uh, but you know, another thing, uh, the defensive line's losing one of their their upperclassmen, uh, senior defensive lineman James Adianju. Uh, he is, was not on the roster and per our friend, Ben Wargle at badgernation.com, uh, Adianju will transfer to central Washington. And so, uh, uh, you know, a line that's still relatively young, uh, no, you know, Adianju and Jake Kiefer are the only two seniors in that group, but they didn't, weren't pegged necessarily as starters. You're looking at the fact that, uh, it's, it's getting a little bit weaker, one more person down there. So you have to have younger guys like Connor Sheehy from Marquette, uh, and, and Alec James and Chikwe Obashi, uh, the sophomore step up there. Uh, you know, uh, that's about, that's really, you know, it in terms of, of what we saw with that, but it, it's interesting to always note the changes. I think TJ Watt, if he can get healthy, obviously, you know, JJ Watt had said in previous interviews that TJ Watt is the most athletic out of those three Watt brothers. So if he plays outside linebacker, who knows what, I mean, if he can get healthy and get the snaps, I mean, not this year behind, I mean, this year he'll learn behind Beagle and, and Schobert, but I mean, come next year uh, where both of them might be gone, you're looking at sure. the fact that he could step up. Well, that, that, and that we'll find out more about that as, as we get close to the season. It's only just a few weeks away, about a month away. All right. Well, that, you know, that's a pretty football-centric show. Now, I know next week we'll talk more Packers because they'll have a preseason game under their belt. We'll talk more Badgers as they get ready. Maybe some more baseball as the pennant races heat up. Of course, the Brewers won't be any part of that. Kyle Roche has been demoted, obviously, to the bullpen, if you didn't know that. But we'll talk more about that next week. Otherwise, I don't have anything else unless you do. We can probably steer this ship into the port. Sounds good to me. You guys take care. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Kielbasa Kings WI at B5Q. And uh, yeah, no, we'll have some fun coming up next week. We'll talk obviously more Packers, more Badgers, what we're hearing. We'll have some more position previews uh, on both sides for Packers and Badgers. Uh, and then we'll fit any other news and notes, probably talk some more NXT. Heck, maybe we'll get West Hot just to talk. Uh, West Hot quits on just to talk 
about some uh, some wrestling from what from what we see out of NXT Takeover. I think that's next weekend actually, so uh, we'll have to take a look there. But yeah, then other than that, uh, you guys have a great week, Dozabachenya, uh, and we will talk to you guys soon. You guys take care. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs>